shall call his name Emmanuel. Wow. Merry Christmas, Hope. Welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome to all of you who are here in this room and in other rooms around our church building, in the bridge and in the chapel and in the gym. And all of you at different campuses and local sites, I just found out in the Hope 360 video, we have nine local sites now. I didn't get the memo. I thought we had six. So I'm going to have to catch up on that and figure out where those three new ones are, because I'm the senior pastor. I probably should know. But um, that just shows you, get kind of a, a, a sense for how fast God is moving around here these days. You would think that when the pandemic hit, uh, the church would slow down. The opposite has happened. We've never experienced growth like this during this time. And it's just phenomenal. Uh, and it's so good to be here. Isn't it great to be here on Christmas Eve? I mean, how awesome is this? So I want to point you, we're, we aren't here to point you to Lutheran Church of Hope. Um, that's never been what it's about here. We're here to point you to this Jesus that this Christmas story is all about, that you heard read, that that you heard sung about, that John Merrill came out and saying, do you hear, like the shepherds, do you hear what I hear? Are you hearing this angel? And you saw it depicted from that movie called The Chosen, a series of episodes, actually, that you can get online for free. It's incredible. You should check it out. There is this story. And in this story, and you heard it at the end of that clip, when Jesus is born, the narrator from The Chosen says, and his name will be Emmanuel. It's one of the names given to Jesus when he was born. In Matthew chapter 1, the angel comes to Joseph and, and says to him that, you, you know, you're going to have this baby. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And when he's born, his name will be Jesus. There's a lot of um, names and terms, especially surrounding the Christmas story, that I think we either don't really fully understand what they mean, and, and if we knew more about it, it would be a richer experience for us, or we have a false assumption of what it means. Jesus' name literally means the one who saves, which is appropriate. Emmanuel means God is with us. That's the other name the angel said to Joseph that you'll call him. You'll name him Jesus. That'll be his name, his, his, his chosen name. But he'll also be called Emmanuel because now God is with us. He's the fulfillment of all these prophecies. I, I want to invite you to think about this just for a moment. The God who has the authority and the majesty and the power to speak creation into existence with, with a phrase, let there be light. The first words out of God's mouth in the book of Genesis, the first chapter, the first time God is quoted, God says, let there be light, and there's light. The God who has that kind of power to speak light and life into existence, this is the part I want you to think about and ponder what, what it means for you today, because it means a lot. This God, with all this authority, with all this majesty, with all this mystery, with all this wonder, with all this authority, this God has humbled himself to become one of us. This God is with us. This God is Emmanuel. This God is with you right now. The invisible has become visible for us. 
The infinite has become finite. The, the immortal God has taken on mortal flesh. The almighty creator of the universe has become of all things, and it's not much of a grand entrance. I mean, he's not born in a palace. He's not born to kings and queens, to royalty, or to even to religious priests or prophets. He's born to a woman, Mary, and, and Joseph, who are from a different town. They're not even from this town. They don't belong in Bethlehem, but they have to be there because the Roman Empire is taking a census, and Joseph is of the house of lineage of, of King David, and that's David's town, Bethlehem. But Joseph and Mary are from Nazareth. He's a humble carpenter, and, and we don't know a ton about what, what, what Mary's status was or, or what her family life was about, but Nazareth was a sleepy little town. Nothing elite about it at all. So the grand entrance of God showing up in this world as a human being is in the humblest of circumstances, not just to parents who are from out of town who are probably in a really awkward spot. I mean, they're giving birth to a child basically in a barn, in a room where the livestock hang out. They're going to lay him, according to the prophecy, in a manger, which is a feeding trough for lambs, for sheep, for goats. Talk about a humble arrival. Let me emphasize again. This is the almighty creator of the universe. Which makes the point that I don't think we can miss today. That this Jesus showed up for everybody. Not just for the rich, but the poor too. Not just for the famous, but, but for those who are the opposite of famous. Not, not just for people who've got everything clicking in their lives and got it all together, but people who have nothing clicking in their lives and have nothing going the right way right now. Not just for religious people, but irreligious people. Not just for kings and priests and prophets, but for people like Mary and Joseph and the shepherds of all people. An angel shows up for the shepherds, which is the most surprising move. The first worshipers of Jesus, the first people invited to worship him, this should tell us something too are shepherds. They had a reputation in first century Middle Eastern culture that wasn't real good. The angel appears to them and says the, the line that's pretty, you know, semi-famous at least, even if you're not a church person, you probably heard this before, to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. But that's the English translation of the original Greek. The Bible was not written in English. It was written in Koine Greek, Biblical Greek, Ancient Greek, not modern Greek either, a ancient Greek. And it was written in a, in a phrasing in a way that doesn't always translate smoothly to English. And so we wouldn't say it this way. We put spaces between these words. But, but let's go ahead and read these words together, these Greek words that are up on the screen. <laughs> yeah, some of you could. It's, it's humen sumeron soter. And this is the part where it kind of gets a, a little lost in translation. In English, we get to you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And it's accurate to the Greek, but it's not the sequence that the words come from in the original text. In the original text, it's bing, bing, bing. To you, today, a Savior. To you, today, a Savior. Who means someron, soter, to you, today, a Savior. That's the good news. In fact, turn to the person next to you, wherever you are, and say to that person, to you, today, a Savior. That was sort of the very kind way of saying it. Now I want you to say it with passion. And if you're watching at another campus or local site or you're watching online or on TV or, or wherever it might be, turn to somebody. And if you're by yourself in your living room right now, go find a cat. Go find the neighbor's cat if you have to. And say it with passion because this is the greatest Christmas gift you'll ever receive. Say, to you today, a Savior. To you today, a Savior. Ah, such good news. That's the gospel. There's another one of those religious, biblical, churchy words that has such a simple definition, and I want you to know it. Gospel means literally good news. Jesus' name means the one who saves. Emmanuel means God is with us. The, the, the Greek texts mean to you today a Savior. That's what the angel says to the shepherds. To you, of all people, today a Savior's been born. Run to him. Go. Check it out. You will know it's him because you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And they knew, the shepherds knew something about swaddling clothes. Because whenever, as good shepherds, a little lamb was born, they would wrap that little lamb up to keep it warm in swaddling clothes. So they're going to look for something they would recognize. A manger, a feeding trough for, for sheep, for, for, for animals. 
and a baby wrapped in the same thing they wrap little lambs in because, of course, this little baby's going to grow up to be the sacrificial lamb of God. Oh, this story's way richer than you might think. There's so much going on here. And it's so beautiful, it, it, poetic almost, it, it rich, way deeper than you might think. To you, today, a Savior has been born. And this is such good news. This is such gospel good news. Our world is desperate for some good news right about now, don't you think? I mean, collectively, we've been up against it over the last couple of years. You don't need me to remind you of everything that's going on. We're diseased, we're divided, we're depressed, we're burnt out, our matches have gone out. Big survey, reputable survey company, I can't remember if if it was um, the Search Institute or Gallup, they surveyed Americans, 61% of Americans, this is like a month ago, 61% of Americans are burnt out. Before the pandemic, it was 12%, which apparently is good. (laughs) But now it's 61%. So maybe you hear this like, well, at least I'm not the only one. Three out of the five people sitting around me right now are burned out just as much as I am. Their match went out too. I'm done. I've had it. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. I'm afraid. When the pandemic started, I heard a lot of people say that everybody's going to come out of this pandemic as either a hunk, a chunk, or a drunk. I would add maybe a monk, actually, if you follow Jesus a little closer, or, or some people sadly have come out as punks. They've gotten really mad at everybody, and they're, everything's coming out sideways and angry and hostile. And a lot of people are just in a funk. Man, we need some good news. And it's not even just the collective good news that we need to hear today, the light for our darkness. It's Maybe individually, the stresses and the stuff that you're up against. Add add that to the collective stuff. Add all of the stresses that come from this season for some of you. Listen to me. Just like the shepherds heard this message through through the angel, I want you to hear this message through a clay jar, an imperfect preacher like me today. Because this is what God has sent here. But it's not me that I want you to focus on. It's this message to you. Let it soak in. Not just the people sitting around you. You. No matter who you are. To you. Today. Savior's been born. Please don't miss this. When the shepherds heard this, they ran. They were so excited they couldn't contain themselves. They've been waiting for this. Whether we know it or not, there's something inside of us that's just longing for this connection with our creator. And now they have this message. I mean, it blew them away. It was an extraordinary experience, bigger than this world. And they ran to the little baby. They ran to the little baby. What are you running to this Christmas? What are you running to to try to find some light for the darkness? Are you running to material things, to possessions, to money, to wealth? You say, if I could just get more of that, if I could just have more stuff, if I could just have a bigger house, a vacation home, if I could just take that trip I've always wanted, if I could just have that faster car, if I could just get those things, if I could just get that, then my soul would be satisfied. Please, there's nothing wrong with wanting any of that stuff until you think it's going to be enough. Until you buy into the lie that it could satisfy you, that it could make you a content human being. Or maybe it's not so much the material stuff, maybe it's just you know, popularity, you want to be the most popular kid at school, or you want to have the most followers on social media, or, or you want to be famous. You want, you want everyone to recognize you. You think, if I could just be that, I mean, what could be better than that? Ask the people who are famous if it's enough, if it's soul-satisfying. Turns out we're going to need more. We're going to need a brighter light. And here it comes. One of the great things about Christianity is we don't have to pretend that everything's okay. We don't have, to ha- we don't have this form of spirituality where we say, well, you know, just think positive. Uh, don't think of any negative things. And, and that'll make things better. And that's not the worst philosophy of life. It'll help. But what I'm pointing you today to today is so much deeper than that. So much more significant. So much more honest. The the great thing about Christianity is we get to tell the truth. The Bible, Jesus grew up to say this. This baby grew up and he says in John 16, 33, in this world you're going to have trouble because it's a fallen, messed up, sinful world. It's chaos. 
But take heart, Jesus goes on to say, because I've overcome the world. In other words, yeah, the darkness is real, but my light overwhelms it. So the same God at the beginning of Genesis, whose first words out of his mouth is, let there be light, that same God shows up in the most humble in the, uh, of grand entrances that you'd ever want to see on the, on the planet Earth. as a little baby born in a barn and laid in a manger. But John's gospel picks up on this and takes us all the way back to Genesis and says, in the beginning, uses the same phrase that Genesis begins with, so as to connect the dots for us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word gave life and light to all people. And this Word became flesh. This little baby was born and dwelt among us, and he's full of grace, amazing grace, and truth, which will change the way we think about our lives and will set us free. This baby became one of us. God became one of us. Emmanuel, to you, today, the Savior is born. And it's not about us pretending that there's no darkness so that we can have a Merry Christmas. It's us recognizing this deeper and more wonderful truth. The darkness is real and it stinks. But the light overwhelms the darkness. Do you know this light of Jesus Christ? Because nothing less will do. What are you running for these days? Shepherds are running for this little baby. They, they said, we got to go. We got to see. They, they, three different times in Luke chapter 2, they said, we got to see. We got to see. We got to see what's going on. Come and see today. Come and see. Come and take a closer look at this Christmas story in Luke 2. Take just a few minutes here and, and ponder this for, for your heart, your soul, your mind, your spirit. Come and see. There are things that are worth running to. There are babies that are worth running to. It was this past January of this year that um, we have a date circled on our calendar for the rest of our lives, my wife Sally and I. January 17th. It was the day we became grandparents. It was just the most awesome day. It was a Sunday morning. We, we got up early. Sunday morning. It's the only day I work. So Sunday morning, I get up early. And I was preaching at one of our satellite campuses, Hope, Hope Elam, which is our campus in the city of Des Moines across from Drake University. I was preaching there with Pastor John and Pastor Michael, the, the campus pastors there at Hope Elam. It was MLK weekend. I was really excited about that. But on the way to church, we got a call from our oldest son, Jonathan, who he and his wife, Liz, live in Charlotte. And he said, we're going to the hospital. Yes. I mean, usually if your son calls that early in the morning and says, I'm going to the hospital, that's like, oh, no. But this was, oh, yeah. We've been waiting for this for a long time. You go. <laughs> you go. I was so excited, I don't even know what I preached. I mean, I was like, who knows, right? <laughs> Thank goodness I was preaching with Michael and John because they were on their game. And, and it was a trio sermon. So we're, we're preaching. And, and uh, before the late service, we got another call. Well, your granddaughter's been born. And now i got to preach one more sermon? I don't think so. But I did. And so, yeah, but, 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 who knows? And, and, but my wife is looking at me and she's saying, say amen. She's sending me signals like. Because <laughs> she has worked for a, an airline for 16 years and she knows the drill. And one of the cool perks of her job, one of the few uh, benefits that she's really earned by working so hard over these years is Flight benefits, which means she and her spouse, yay, can fly for peanuts almost anywhere in the country on almost any airline because we have all these, agree these agreements between airlines. And, but don't feel bad. We're not bumping you off your seat. It's only if there's seats available. Like once all the paid customers get on, we're the last people who get on the plane and sit back by the lavatory in the back, right? But it's great because we, we have access. And since our granddaughter is born in Charlotte, which is convenient for her since that's where her parents live. Uh, we, we, we had to get to Charlotte. That's a long way from Des Moines. But we were ready for this. We even had, we were so excited, first time grandparents, we had a bag packed in the car. And I, just in case we had to zip to the airport from wherever we were. And sure enough, there we were, you know, over by Drake at our campus there. The call comes in, your granddaughter's been born. Sally's going, you, you know, this is tighter than you think. Get out, let's get out of here. We get out of there, we get in the car, we drive as fast as we can to the Des Moines airport. Didn't even go home, did not pass go, did not collect $200, just went straight to the airport, got there. We get in line through security. You know how that is if you've been at the Des Moines airport. 
the friendly TSA agent is there, and there's a long line. My wife, I'm so happy for her, she gets to go on the super express line with the pilots and the flight attendants, and there she goes. And I have to stand back with the riffraff, with everybody else, with, with, you know, in the line where you got to take your shoes off and all that, so where they don't trust you. I finally get up to the line, and, uh, and Sally's calling me from the gate. She had to get ahead to make sure we get seats, to make sure they were open. She calls me. She says, good news, we got two seats, but you got to get here. I mean, you better hurry up, or, or this is the only nonstop flight to Charlotte all day from Des Moines, and if we don't get on this flight, we're going to have to go to, like, Denver, and then Seattle, and then Phoenix, and then Baltimore, and then D.C., and then Milwaukee, and then to Charlotte, because that's how you fly in Des Moines, Right? I'm like, well, that doesn't sound too good. She says, I know, you got to go. So I get to the front of the line. The friendly TSA agent looks at my boarding pass and my ID and goes, there's a problem. I said, there is no problem. <laughs> the only problem is, is I got to get through this line. He goes, no, I'm really sorry, but you're, uh, this is, I can't let you through. I said, you don't understand. I'm a grandpa. I just had, you know, hey, I got to get to Charlotte. This is the only chance. I, I got to go now. And I tried to plead my case, and plead for he's like, I get fired if I let you through. All right, I know how that goes. I hear this from my wife. You can't, I can't open the door if you're late for the plane because it's FAA regulations. So I go back down. She, I go, what do I do? He says, you need to go back to the, to the ticket desk on the main floor. Luckily, it's not O'Hare. It's the Des Moines Airport, so it's about 12 feet away, right? You go down the... <laughs> You go down the escalator, which has taken some feet and some legs once in a while, but you get over there, and you get to the table. Now the really friendly ticket agent says, oh, let me look at that. And she looks at it, and she goes, oh, you put in the wrong birth date. Well, I had a lot of things on my mind, all right? You know, you punch it in real quick, and I guess I was off by one number. She says, let me fix that. Here, go. And she looks at her. She says, you're not going to make it. It's like, I have to make it. I'm the grandpa. She goes, well, you better run. And so I run up. Now the line's a little shorter. The security agency is like, hey, hey, hey. I go up there. He goes, it's fine. Go through. I go through. The shoes are off. I'm going through. And I know what you're thinking. I got, like, beeped, right? I didn't get beeped. I got through. But then I got a call from my wife. 90 seconds. I bought you two extra minutes. But that's as far as my friendship with American Airlines goes. This is not our airline. I bought you 90 seconds. You need to get down here. Where are you? I said, I just got through security. My shoes are off. She said, don't put your shoes on. <laughs> I grab my shoes. I grab my carry-on bag, and I'm sprinting. Of course, our gate is the last one at the end of the concourse. I'm sprinting down the concourse. Some of you are like, we're there apparently. Yay, Pastor Mike, go. <laughs> one of you even took a picture and texted it to me. There I am. <laughs> I'm the guy with the shield at the front of the line. And when I, got from, when I got that text, I thought, well, there's a lot of people late for this flight, apparently, not just me, because we're all running. I'm running barefoot to go see the baby. I, I got to see my granddaughter. Well, we just squeaked through. I'm completely out of breath, but I'm celebrating. I'm in the plane. We get to Charlotte. The flight's great. We get to the hospital. We meet our granddaughter. Some things are worth running for. What are you running to this Christmas? What is it that your heart desires? What do you want for Christmas? There's all the toys and, you know, for kids and adults. There's a Nintendo Switch around one side of those screens and Keurig coffee makers and Apple iPod things that don't fit in my ears somehow. I'm a freak of nature. And then there's stuff on the other side too. There, there, there's the stuff that's like top of the list, right? And that's, I'm not the bah humbug preacher who's going to say, oh, this is all terrible, this is terrible, it's all about Jesus, and it's all commercial. And yes, it's become way too commercialized for sure. But we're giving gifts to celebrate Jesus' birthday, so I'm okay with that. But I don't want you to let this stuff get in the way of Christmas. To you, today, a Savior's been born. It's like Linus said to Charlie Brown, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And man, is it just me or do you miss like Christmas specials like the Peanuts ones? And now, now we just get, <laughs> oh, you're clapping for the, you're, you're clapping for Linus. How about you clap for Jesus? To you today, a Savior's been born. Yeah. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. 
Because I don't know about you, but I, for one, am never going to watch another Hallmark Christmas special because I've seen them all. They're all the same. I just offended half the church. And I don't think it's the male half, uh, but I love you anyway. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown was flabbergasted. He was done. Everything was falling apart. His tree wasn't right. He was stressed out with Lucy and Peppermint Patty and, and Snoopy's misbehaving. And he finally just cries out, doesn't anybody know what Christmas is all about? Yeah, you do, kids. <laughs> to you, today, a Savior has been born. You're not missing Christmas. And Linus says, sure, I do, Charlie Brown. And he walks up on stage, and you remember what he read? It's the exact same verses that you heard our sisters and brothers in Christ read during the Bible reading portion of the service from Luke 2 in four different languages. To you, on this day a Savior has been born, who is Christ the Lord. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's the light we need, and nothing less will do. The temptation is to make it like the Griswold family Christmas, right? To, to kind of lose ourselves with, with all the stresses and everything, the Christmas tree burning up and the, and the neighbors being weird and, the, and, and Uncle or Cousin Eddie coming over and drinking all your eggnog and, and all that. But that's not Christmas. I know we say it's Christmas. It's the family gatherings. It's the lights. It's the decorations. It's the presents. And again, there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But that's not Christmas, not literally. Let me define another word for you, Christmas. It's the mass of Jesus Christ. The Christ mass is the origin of the word. It's Christmas, what we're doing right here. And it's the worship service where we worship Jesus Christ and his coming into this world. The God, the infinite one becoming finite. This is Christmas. The, the, our, our singing our praise songs, our, our familiar carols, uh, praying our prayers, hearing the, the Christmas story read from Luke 2. That's Christmas. Don't miss it. It's worth running to. Come and see, the angel said to the shepherds. Come and see, God's word says to you today. Come and take a closer look. You're like, okay, fine. So what if I wanted to? Let's just say I wanted to come and see. I, I want, how do I do that? Because that's just theoretical. That's just pie in the sky. Well, I'm supposed to follow Jesus. I'm supposed to meet Jesus. I'm supposed, how do I do that? We sang the, the most famous Christian Christmas carol, Joy to the World, earlier in the service. Soak up the lyrics again. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. That's us. We're earth. Let us receive this King of all kings. Let every heart, this is how you come and see. This is how you find the light of Christmas. This is how you don't miss Christmas. Let every heart prepare him room. We're going to have to start making some time for Jesus. We're going to have to start making him a priority. We're going to have to stop giving him the leftover time we have on weekends if we have any time on a weekend. We're going to have to start letting him be who he is. Not have him become something he isn't. Just let him be who he is. The only light that we could possibly ever receive, the only Christmas gift that has that kind of value, if you knew the value of this gift, this baby lying in the manger, if you knew how great this gift was, you'd be like the, the, the parable Jesus tells later in his life where he says a rich man, a businessman, had all these possessions, all these things, but then he found the pearl of great price and he got rid of everything else so that he could hold on to that pearl because he knew it was worth it. If you only knew how great the gift of Jesus Christ is for you, how wonderful it is, how, how, how bright and brilliant the light is, you'd run to Him. You wouldn't let anything get in the way. So if you prepare Him room, if you start making time, not just on Christmas, please don't be a Christer. Don't be a Christmas and Easter worshiper. And that's it. Don't be a woomer and tumor. Right? I mean, you know, Come again. Come and see. Open up the Bible. Get to know this Jesus. Get to know the one who really exists because you'll be surprised. You say, oh, well, I don't belong with this Jesus. Not me. I'm not the religious type. I'm not all that moral. I've got a past. I've got some things that I don't think belong in the church. You're so wrong about that. And I'm so sorry that somewhere along the way, some religious, self-righteous Christians made you think you don't belong because of any of those things. 
That's not biblical. In the Bible, we discover this amazing thing called grace, that God's grace is amazing. And it's not that Jesus wants to bless our sin or our messes and say, just stay right where you are, that's fine. Quite the opposite, he wants us to repent. Here's a definition of that word. It means change the way we think. Start to see the light for what it is instead of chasing after all the false artificial lights, thinking that they could satisfy our soul. Turn around, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, Jesus says, and I'll give you this light, I'll give you this rest, I'll give you what your heart desires in a way that no one else can do. Nothing less will do. The great news of Jesus' birth is he's for the religious but the irreligious too. He's for the moral but the immoral too. He's for the people who've got it all together and the people who've got it all fallen apart. To you. You, today, a Savior's been born. Don't miss this. It isn't just for a certain kind of people. It's for you. If you get that and you come and see like the shepherds did, I mean, they, they had to be surprised. They had a reputation. First century Middle Eastern shepherds were a mess. Talk about immoral. They're like the wranglers on this TV show, right? Oh, some of you are Yellowstone fans. What are you doing watching that kind of trash? My wife and I watch it religiously every Sunday night. It's like, awesome. it's hope in the morning, Yellowstone at night. I know I just lost a lot of your respect. I'm, I'm good with that. That's all right. Because I wouldn't do it with kids, and I do not recommend you do it with kids. It's awful. It's, it's so immoral on so many levels. It's so wrong. There's so many. But I, I lived four years of my life as a kid in Montana, so I, I sit there all cool, and I'm like, yep, that's what it was like, babe. When I was in third grade, it's pretty rough. But the thing I love about this show, I'm not going to go all Beth Dutton on you or anything, but the thing I love about this show, the thing I love about this show is um, the Wranglers, all their scenes, almost all of them. Some of them are pretty nasty. But I love the camaraderie. I love the second chance nature of that. They're like the shepherds of their day in Montana if this was a real, like, non-fictional ranch. Kevin Costner, who's John Dutton, the owner of the ranch, gives all these people all these second chances to, to find a new life. What does that sound like to you? Messed up people. So, some people coming right out of federal prison as, as convicted felons who have really nowhere to go. So he sends a messenger to them and says, come, come on to the ranch. He's this guy who keeps, these guys wouldn't have a whole lot of hope, wouldn't have a whole lot of light in their stories. That's the story for Rip, the foreman, for John Dutton's ranch. That's the story for Jimmy. That's the story for almost the whole crew. And even if you've never seen the show, I think you can get that point. If you come and see, you will discover that you belong. That you belong in God's house. That you belong in the church. In any church that makes you feel like you don't belong because of your past, because of what you've done, is missing the whole point of Scripture which is God's grace is absolutely amazing and his light is absolutely overwhelming and it takes all the darkness that's inside all of us and it sets us free from it. It illuminates us. It changes the way we think. It puts us on a whole new path. So now we're following the Jesus who says, I'm the better way. I'm the deeper truth. I'm the more abundant life. This is not cheap grace. This is not Jesus saying, oh, just stay where you're at. You don't have to change anything. No, you can keep your colorful personality and your quirkiness and how fun you are, but you're going to have to let go and change the way you think about all the things that are crushing your soul, about all the things that are dividing this nation, about all the things that are hurting and burning up the bridges that you used to have in relationships and friendships with people, the stuff that is sucking life out of you. Yep, you're going to have to change the way you think about that, Jesus says. I won't tolerate it, because if you're going to follow me, my greatest commandment is going to be love. God's love for you, and inspired by that love, your love for one another. Make no mistake about it, Jesus will completely change the scenery in your life, but it'll be for the better. He's just going to get rid of the stuff that's crushing you and is hurting the world around you. And he's going to bless the things that are life-giving. The Savior's been born to you. The first thing you'll discover if you come and see is that you belong with Jesus. 
Even if the church and religious people have told you you don't, that's a lie. You belong with Jesus no matter who you are. To you, today, a Savior is born. The second thing you'll discover is you're going to be blown away. I've been waiting since the 1970s to use this photo in a sermon. <laughs> and if you're from the 70s, you know what I mean. You're going to be blown away. This Christmas story is all about people being blown away. It's the light breaking out in the darkness, and that's why we did Journey to the Light last week and had over a 1,000 volunteers, and who knows how many people came in. The light shines in the darkness, and we exist as a church to tell the world. But it's terrifying. It's terrifying to get blown away. Here's the thing I want to say, and this is going to, this is going to challenge some of you. If you follow a Jesus who's never blown you away, that might not be Jesus. That might be the comfortable Jesus that you have invented. That might be the, the Jesus who absolutely embraces your entire worldview, even the sinful parts, even the hate-filled parts, even the parts that you can't align with Scripture. That's not Jesus. The Jesus who showed up and was laid in that manger is a Jesus who will comfort you when you're afflicted, but he will afflict you when you're getting too comfortable. And he will do it because he loves you. And he will tell you, let me show you a better way. Let me lead you to the light. Let me overwhelm your darkness. Let me satisfy your soul. It's intimidating. It's terrifying because the temptation there is to hear that and say, well, I'm pretty, I, I realize it's not good and it's corrupt, but I'm pretty comfortable in my darkness. It's the darkness I know, and it's all I know, and it's, you know, it's, my, it's what everybody knows about me. I'm just that guy. Yeah, how's that going for you? I mean, really deep down. How soul-satisfying is that? Jesus wants us to put us on a whole new path. It's intimidating, so it would be tempting to say, well, I don't want to go. But Jesus actually wants to give you a freedom and a life and a rhythm that you can't have without him. He intimidated Mary and Joseph when what God did when he showed up through the messenger, the angel. Mary was, was just minding her own business, living her life in the sleepy town of Nazareth. And all of a sudden, the messenger of God, an angel, a holy warrior, shows up and says, Don't be afraid because he's pretty intimidating presence. Don't be afraid because you're going to get pregnant and you're going to become the mother of God. And at first, Mary says, Well, how can this be? And then the angel explains the. Father's going to be God, the Holy Spirit, and, and so trust this. I don't know what I would have said, but Mary's very impressive with her faith. That's why she was chosen. She says, I'm, I'm at your service. Let's go. Then the same angel comes to Joseph and says, don't be afraid because Joseph is freaking out. I know you're engaged to Mary, and I know you're a reputable, uh, righteous man, and so you're just going to break off the engagement quietly so as not to humiliate her because, you know, she's pregnant. You know it's not yours. You would know. There's no way it could be yours. So the angel says to Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary for your wife. There'll be scandal. There'll be rumors. There'll be gossip. Mary's going to have to run off and live with her relative Elizabeth for a while because it's going to get so heavy. But you keep the faith and you hold on because God's got you and God's got Mary and God's certainly, well, God is this baby. Trust it. And then to the shepherds, the angel shows up and says, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you good news. The best news. The most joyous news the world has ever heard. If you knew how valuable this gift was, if you knew how great it was, you wouldn't let anything get in the way. This gift is for everyone. And so the shepherds received it and they ran to the baby. They raced to the baby. And they shouted their praises and they worshipped him. Noel. Do you know what the word Noel means? Noel means, uh, in modern English, it means Christmas. If you're French, you probably know this. It's Joyeux Noel. I'm not saying that with a good French accent at all. Joyeux Noel means joyous Christmas or Merry Christmas. In modern French, in literal old French, the original definition of Noel means gospel. What does gospel mean? In the Bible, it means good news. Noel, the first gospel. The first good news was the angel coming to the shepherds saying, come and see, come and see, come and see. 
To you today a Savior has been born. Know well, this good news comes. And this good news is going to blow you away. Has Jesus ever blown you away? Because when you meet the real Jesus, the Jesus you need, the Jesus I need, the Jesus whose grace is amazing, it blows us away. We can never be the same again. And you're about to be blown away. We must tell someone. We must tell everyone. We must tell everyone. Everyone. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We've waited for this for so long. So long. What were you naming? Jesus. We will name him Jesus. I must go. People must know. People must know. People must know.
My granddaughter, Addison Rose, householder. And she's completely changed my life. Granddaughters do that. Some of you told me, um, who are grandparents, that it's the greatest thing in the world. Hi, sweetie. How you doing? <laughs> and I thought you were blowing smoke. But it turns out you were right. There's... Um, there's a love in my heart I didn't know I had. And that's the power of love. Don't underestimate it. Because if you come and see this Jesus, this little baby who's worth running to, I don't want to point you to my granddaughter. I want to point her and all of you to the baby who's laid in a manger, who's depicted in our nativity scene up there, to his light. So take your candles out and receive that light as it moves through the room as we prepare to sing Silent Night. This is my hope for you. I would do anything for this little girl. I mean, absolutely anything. That's kind of how grandpas feel about their granddaughters, as it turns out. But what I want for her more than anything in her life is I want her to know that to her, today, a Savior's been born. And my greatest hope for her, I have a lot of hopes for her. Of course I do. My greatest hope is the one she needs the most. That she will come and meet this Jesus. That she will come and see. That she will hear this good news, this invitation that the shepherds heard once upon a time that you've heard today. She will, she will race to it. She will run to it. She will be changed by it. Because not only were the shepherds uh, 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 belonging now because they know they were chosen to be a part of this Jesus ranch. Not only were the shepherds chosen, but they were also blown away. I hope you'll be blown away someday by Jesus, Addie. I hope you'll meet the real Jesus. I hope he'll bless your life. And I hope he'll do the same for you. Because the third and final and maybe most important thing that this baby did for the shepherds is he changed their lives. When she kicks her feet and twirls her foot around, she's very happy. So she's happy to see you. He changed the shepherds' life, lives. And they could never be the same again. Because then they went after they saw the baby, they went and they told everybody. 
Kind of like I went and told everybody after this little girl was born. How do you keep good news, gospel like that to yourself? You have to tell people, good news. A granddaughter's been born. Even better news. The greatest gift for her, for my granddaughter, for you, for me, for this whole world, for our darkness. The light breaks through and the darkness can't extinguish it. Come and see. To you, today, a Savior is born. Let's sing that with that in our hearts. Merry Christmas, everybody. Extinguish your candles, just soak it up, just for one more moment or two. The light shines into the darkness for you, to you, today. The Savior's been born. Don't miss this. This is Christmas. Christmas.